Set the Wayback Machine to episode number 100 of this show. This happened. I'm John McAfee, and I've been on with these uh, badasses on Bad Crypto for the past hour. I'm very happy to leave them, but I will tell you this, they are badasses. Well, here we are 100 episodes later, and the Mac is back for round two with Bad Crypto. From his presidential run and his hacked, unhackable app to continued thoughts on the severing of an appendage and the state of crypto, this is some fascinating and highly entertaining stuff. So get ready, Jack, because the Mac is back. He ain't taking no flack or cutting no slack. It's the I can't rap, but I'm going to anyway. Episode number 200 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Buckle up, campers. It's number 200 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Joel Com here, Travis right there, and in just a few minutes, John McAfee amongst us. Mm. And one thing that Mr. McAfee, M- Mr. Mac does not want is Mac the knife. He does not. He would really like crypto Bitcoin to be a million dollars by the end of next year, by the end of 2020, I guess. So he does not have to cut off his junk. <laughs> that is true. No Mac the knife. Not we, we talk about that. We talk about a lot of stuff. It's a great conversation. And I think we're going to try to get the video version of this up into the Bad Crypto Mastermind. So if you want to see this visually with John McAfee lounging, uh, wearing sunglasses, and occasionally muting himself accidentally with his wife Janice coming to the rescue, then you'll want to go to the mastermind group at badco.in forward slash mastermind. Yep, yep. And uh, this is a fun, fun episode. And before we get into that, we'd like to talk about our sponsor for this episode, which is the Ember Fund, emberfund.io forward slash bad. Uh, Ember Fund is this iOS app right now that's really cool that allows users from all over to buy a diversified portfolio of crypto in just a couple of taps. So they have this technology where basically you you can, um, you know, uh, deposit some money, and then click on the percentages that you'd like to buy. Maybe you want to buy 60% of Bitcoin, 35% Ethereum, 5% Litecoin. Click, and then boom, it goes out and buys all of that stuff for you. So you can uh, buy these curated portfolios. And it's also non-custodial, so they don't actually hold your private keys. You hold your private keys, which is a more secure way of doing it. Right now, they have a few cryptos. They have six cryptos right now. And they're going to be opening up uh, a bunch of more cryptos here in the next few weeks. So. Pretty exciting, Mr. Jolcom. Yeah, I think they should have a jingle. Hey, you want to hear it? Sure, I'd love to hear just, it. You guys can use this. Amber Fund is an iOS app. You can download cryptos with just a few taps. Amber Fund. <laughs> Snap. Emberfund.io forward slash bad for the iOS. Go check it out and let us know what you think. Tell us what you think for sure. And who wants to hear what John McAfee has to think? Ooh, ooh, I do, ooh, I do, you do. Me, All right, me. let's go chat with Mr. John McAfee. Here we go. Mr. Cotter, Mr. Cotter. Ooh, 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 ooh. Ladies and gentlemen, the man who needs no introduction, the one, the only, John McAfee, the Mac, is back. Welcome back. Thank you, sir. I'm glad to be back. Yeah, and do you, you do know your name? 
Uh, by now, yes. Yeah. So about 10 minutes ago, I remembered it. <laughs> Who did you think you are? That's the question. I, I don't know. One of, one of my security people started making espresso martinis. Um, they're killers because the, uh, the caffeine counteracts the vodka to the point that you do not know you become totally looped until it's too late. Hmm. Nice. And how many of those have you had? Good, sir. Uh, yeah, I can't count that high. <laughs> what time is it where you are, by the way? Any idea? A good question. I think it's around uh, six o'clock. All right. On. Oh, okay. Well, he's he's somewhere somewhere along the eastern seaboard uh, location. We're on an island off the coast of North Carolina. Oh, nice. Uh, I feel safest on an island. I can get on the roof of the house and see who's coming for me from every direction. Yeah, you know that's been. Um, I, I, let's start with that because since we spoke last, you have. Um, been poisoned apparently right you you ended up in the hospital because you claimed there was a, an assassination attempt on your life well i was unconscious in the hospital for four days i woke up remembered virtually nothing about what happened um according to one of my people there are all kinds of uh, toxins and heavy metals discovered in my system so either i ate a bad apple or or someone slipped me something mm -hmm. Or they were some super powerful cappuccino vodka drinks that day. Martini. <laughs> Martini. Yeah, I was not drinking them. Uh, yeah. I did not know how to make them at that time. So that's a new talent we developed. So that, that's wild. So you wake up in the hospital, four days are gone, and you have no recollection. That had, yeah. to, be, that had to be terrifying. Well, the, the most terrifying thing was I, was I was tied to the bed with a tube down my throat. Now, they do that. Uh, because if you happen to wake up and that's in your throat, you try to rip it out, which can rip out your voice box and everything else. So uh, that was the worst part. Mm. They don't want you to do that Jimi Hendrix thing where you have that projectile vomit and not wake up. That's why they got that tube in there. But that that had to be frightening to wake up to, to experience that. So we're glad you are still amongst the living, good sir. Um, because we need to, we need you running for president this year. You you said that you're going to run. Uh, in 2020, and so yes. we need you to be healthy for that. Maybe tell us a little bit about why you decided to run again and uh, some of the things that, uh, that you stand for in this particular election. Well, the, the last time I ran, I ran under the uh, Libertarian banner, and I played the game, which is, you know, in, in all the debates, the Libertarian debates, even in national debates, uh, like with John Stossel on Fox News, they ask questions like, on your first day of president, uh, first day that you take office, what will you do? Now, what I wanted to say was, are you fucking kidding me? There's not going to be a first day of office for me or for any of us standing on this fucking stage. We know it's going to be a Democrat or Republican. This time, I'm coming out of the, the shoot going, I have no intention of winning. I really don't want to win. I wouldn't take the job if it were offered to me. However, why am I running? Because by running, you get access to the national stage. From that stage, I intend to promote the blockchain and cryptocurrency and the potential freedom and individual power that it can offer us. Now, what better way to do that? I, I can see your, um, your banners now. McAfee for president by Docademic. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, one of my people just made a banner for me. It says, I'm John McAfee. I promise I won't grab your pussy. Oh, without permission. 
<laughs> it's consent. So uh, we're recording this uh, long before it's airing just because we've got you slotted for episode number 200. Since you were on 100, we thought 200 would be the right fit for you. But as of today, um, you know, we have a new Supreme Court justice and yeah. the craziness in this country has been going on. I'd like to hear what is your perception of what's been taking place the last month? Okay, well, keep in mind, we don't have an idea. You don't. I don't. None of us who are average citizens who watch this shit on television have a fucking clue. Why? People in power create reality and therefore create history. Let me ask you a question. If, if the blockchain had been around 2,000 years ago, we would have a totally different understanding of history, would we not? So this is one of the reasons I want to get on the stage to see, Jesus God, who knows what the truth of that, that circus was? Nobody. I'll never find out. You will never find out. If the blockchain had been universally integrated into our culture, our economy, our transactions, it would be very easy to go, well, there either was an intersection between the life of Kavanaugh and the accuser, or there was not. How trivial is that? So we wouldn't be having these fucking circuses. Now, the, the downside to this is lying, deception, propaganda, and all that other nonsense will not be possible. It's going to change a lot in human society and human interaction. You know, Travis and I were just talking about our friend Adrian Ashley, who who you might know. She's coming out with a um, uh, an app, a blockchain project called Lolly, that is supposed to put consent on blockchain. Right, solve that problem. Mm -hmm. You you agree to go out with me? Yes, yes, yes. You agree to go first base, second, whatever. Yes. And before, during, and after. I guess. I guess that's you, the new you agree to go play. Down with me? You agree to go down on me? Do you agree to go in on me? Like all the ins and outs and ons. <laughs> You want to smoke a cigarette? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a crazy time that we need that. And it seems like now that an echo from the past, a, a faint memory that was never mentioned to anyone, can now be brought before Congress. It's just, it's just, it's just such an amazing time where we're sitting right now. It just, it just literally blows me away. That was quite a circus we just saw. It is. It was. Now, you might think, well, that's going to be very complicated, but not. We don't have to actually agree. To, we can talk. And, and the agreement might be, since you have a cell phone and I have a cell phone, uh, if I've already said, do you want to do this, and you move to within two feet of me, well, we're going to assume that you've consented. You don't have to actually say, yes, I consent, and sign a freaking contract. We can do this automatically through AI. It's coming, and it's coming very soon. Mm. Yeah, that's. I want to. I want to talk a little bit later about AI because we had a an interesting conversation. Maybe let's just jump into it now because we had when we chatted with you last time in episode one hundred. You were talking about Jihan Wu, some of the stuff that's going on with artificial intelligence, and some of the things that are frightening to our civilization. I wanted to maybe sort of revisit that. Is there any new things on the horizon that you've learned about AI and what Jihan Wu's working on, or anything along those lines? You know what? I, I don't think I've even spoken to you since I last talked to Jihan Wu. Um, you know, he, he and I talk when we just connect. If we're at a conference together or while I was a minor, I would call him and say, I need some computers. Why aren't they here? And he would facilitate it. Um, but we're, we're, we're not to the point where I don't think Jihan has 
friends, like we understand friends. Gian simply has a life, which is his work. Uh, I've never seen him drink. I've never seen him party. I've never seen him dance. Uh, he's single. Um, so I really know n nothing about him other than my business communication with him. So I, I don't know if anything has changed. Maybe he's uh, a robot. I'm sorry? Maybe he's a robot. God, I hope not. Uh, if he is, he's the most humble robot I've ever met. Yeah, we know you, you admire him uh, a whole bunch. So the presidential run is purely to get a platform. Are you running as a libertarian or independent yeah. or what? I'm, I'm running as a libertarian because they've already got uh, access in all 50 states. They've got their people on the ground. It's just going to be so much easier for me. Uh, and and it'll be easier for me to get into the presidential debates. Now, if I do not get that magic 10% support uh, from the population, it's not going to matter to me. I'm going to make so much fucking noise, and I will embarrass this two-party system so badly that I'll, I will force their asses to get me on the stage with the Republican and Democrat. You know, that's, we had this conversation last time we were chatting about, as I asked about innovation leaving America, and you made a comment about, you know, statism and borders, and a lot of that in the new new world is, is kind of bullshit, and, and how as we evolve, you know, the world has no borders. I think was, I'm kind of paraphrasing what you were saying. And then, so it's, so it's interesting that you would come in and go, all right, I'm going to run for president and and try to facilitate some change so i i definitely admire that but i like we saw this past week with the circus statism and everybody believes that government's going to save us in everything and i'm not one of those folks that believe that government is the be all end all i mean i think it has its its purpose but it always seems to overstretch its boundaries it's like a cancer where it just keeps growing and growing and and eventually they bankrupt. It seems like every time throughout history, eventually these big governments collapse amongst themselves because they have too many things they have to, entitlements they have to give to people and whatnot. So it's it's really interesting to see where we are, where we're going. And this is it's, it's such a whirlwind right now. And then not only that, just the other day we had the first presidential alert. And I wanted to ask you about that because you had made a, some pretty interesting comments on your Twitter stream about how it's able to access certain elements of your phone. Could, could you maybe talk about that for our audience? Yeah, well, let, let's talk about your first comment first, that media circles we've been watching. I think the absurdity of politics has reached the point that even the most unawake person in our society sees now the absolute absurdity, the circus nature. The fact that, good God, people, is this our government we're watching? Sadly, yes, it is. What has astonished me, I don't know if you follow my Twitter at all, is my post about my presidential run have garnered enormous support. It astonishes me. People go, yeah, I want to see you as president. I'm going, please, God, you know nothing about me if you think I have any chance. And then people go, you never know. You never know. So um, it's very strange. I did not get this amount of support on my first run. Now it seems like everybody's going, we don't care who you are to watch for, you've got to be better than what we have. Because at least you're not trying to hide yourself anywhere. And that part is certainly true. Yeah. Oh, and also the presidential, I apologize. Now, and this scared me. Do you understand what it means to have a government know exactly where everybody is in a specific moment? 
to be able to send us all of us the same little tweet going, hi, this is a test. Well, I give a shit. How did you get my number, number one? <laughs> and, and how did it happen that everybody in America simultaneously got the same alert? Now, there's a facility in every smartphone manufactured after 2012 called the E911. The government says, no, we're not using that chip. That's utter fucking bullshit. I'm a cybersecurity professional. I know exactly what they're using. That chip will allow anybody that acts, not anybody, only the government and the police to access it, turn on your microphone, your camera, get your location. Why was that chip originally designed? For emergency calls to the police department. When you dial 911 and they pick it up, and let's say a burglar came in and you got shot, and halfway through telling the police where you are and what's happening, you pass out. They just call back, activate that chip, listen to what's happening in the room, watch whatever the camera's looking at, get your location, and dispatch the police. That's a great fucking concept. Why? To activate it, I got to call you. Help, I need help. Good. We're going to take over your phone. Did I call Trump or anybody in the administration or Congress or the Food Drug Administration or anybody and say, I need help? No. They just co-opted that chip and said, hi, you're here. Well, thank you for telling me. So th this article I ran across here says it's not a chip, it's a system. Does that make any difference? No, it's a chip. I'm sorry. It is a chip. E911. You can look it up. So th this leads to, um, you know, I've been reading lately that our real enemy is not Russia, it's China. That China is our stealth enemy and that it's possible that uh, chips that they've been sending us have capability in them that even the, you know, Apple and the, and the phone makers aren't aware of. What do you think of that? Well, well listen, let me tell you how this happened. In the field of technology, it's the easiest field to spy on. Why? Let's assume I'm China and I want to, I want to spy on Apple. Why would I bother trying to crack into Apple's service and so on? I'm going to polish up one of my citizens that speaks absolutely perfect English, has an IQ of 200, and knows everything about Apple, and wait for a job application to become available and apply. Do you think that it is not possible that these people are already in every one of our technology companies, and we are in every one of China's and Russia's? This is a spy-on-spy-on-spy spy spy problem here. Once you get into Apple, if you are, in fact, technologically competent, work hard, you're going to get promoted. You're going to get some power. You are then going to start hiring your friends who are also spies. I mean, good God almighty, think about the implications of this. Think about how trivial it is to do. And once I'm inside, especially in the field of software, how hard is it to go in and have a modification because, good God, you've got millions of lines of code. Nobody knows what they do except the, the programmers who program them. Everybody's spying on everybody. Every piece of software is compromised. Every piece of hardware is compromised. Good God. Thankfully, we discovered this only by accident. Because you're not going to be able to discover it other than by accident. A clever technologist who's a spy is going to get away with this for years. This is the status of this world. Let's wake up. So with that assumption you just made, right, which I don't, I don't deny that. I mean, I, 
uh, Joel and I actually have been um, key opinion leaders with Huawei, the Chinese phone maker. And uh, so I've, I've been to China, saw their plants and, and, and met with them. And, you know, the, the word on the street there is, is that, you know, they're, well, they're not allowed in America or they're not allowed on carriers in America to sell because they're scared that the Chinese are, are going to be watching with those phones. Well, I think it's because, you know, what's happening is they're building a lot of the networks outside of America. So like Oracle and Cisco are building the big networks, but then in a lot of those other countries, Huawei's building those. And, and so there's definitely, there's definitely tech warfare going on. And so Aside from that, I want to say, well, how does that relate to cryptocurrency? Because knowing that there's vulnerabilities in our devices, then how, you know, how are we going to get to a place where we have mass adoption, where security is always a potential vulnerability? And especially when you got grandmas and grandpas trying to get on and going, wow, I don't understand this. This is tough. And then some hacker can come and steal all your shit. It seems dangerous. How do we evolve beyond that? Or what can we do to protect ourselves to to get more people involved with crypto because it's, it's intimidating for people. I think uh, I'll, I'll answer that. But before I do, I'd like to make a comment about your first comment. Our greatest enemy uh, is not Russia, but China. No, sir. Our greatest enemy is our own government. So I'll, I'll, I'll stop at that. Now, how do we, how do we use a blockchain? Awesome. A great question. And I'll give you the answer. If we had the blockchain integrated into any, hardware or software development process. I could go into 10 million lines of code, pick 50 lines and go, where did this come from? Who vetted it? How many people were involved? Do you see how simple it would be to ferret out the spies? Hmm. So even the code would, would be developed based on consensus? I'm sorry? So even the code would have a consensus? Yes, absolutely. Hmm. So that's how we do it, sir. Kind of like an open source. Okay, so you put out um, your your wallet, your Bitcoin wallet, and claimed it was unhackable, and then yeah. apparently it was hacked and then hacked again. So what's your statement on that? Well, it's how hackable. do you find it's, hack- it's hackable. <laughs> hacking, hacking is where you are able to thwart or get access to the original intent of a system. The intent of this wallet is to hold your money. Nobody got the money. Yeah, now they took the wallet and turned it into a CD player, a music player, a game player, but we don't charge extra for that, all right? Who cares? Nobody got the money. That's what I'm saying. If you, if I'm, I'm defining hacking, meaning here's my wallet, it's got money on it, try and take it. Nobody was able to take it, sir. But doesn't that concern you? I mean, if they could do some sort of backdoor activity, doesn't that mean that there might be a doorway to get to the money? Not at all. They would have done so if it, if, if it were possible. Trust me, it is impossible. I mean, because imagine the press. Is the, the, someone can say, I took the money, I will eat my words. But that will never happen. Yeah. That'd be somebody going, yeah, I just hacked McAfee's wallet. Uh, and they would be they, they would be quite happy about the press that they could generate from that. But yeah, I've not seen that piece of news. But none of them took the money. Right. Yeah, we don't want you to eat your words because, as it is, we're concerned that you're going to have to eat. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yes. We don't want you to eat anything except just normal healthy food. We need you to. <laughs> be good. I, I want to ask about that because obviously our fans, they always, they always, everybody's joking about your dick comment. So here we are nearing the end of 2018. Like, how, how confident are you still at this point, knowing we're 26 months away from the end of 2020? 
I'm one I'm one thousand percent gone. For the same reasons. The same reasons. And we can rehash them again if you like, but yeah, I yeah, I, w- I want you to rehash it because there's some people that may not have heard the show then. Uh, when you made the prediction, Bitcoin was at what price? Let, let's look at the stats, okay? I, I was I was one of the world's largest Bitcoin miners. Miners have access to things most people don't, like transactions, uh, growth. Bitcoin is growing faster than anything in terms of adoption. I don't give a shit what people want to say. The truth is. It's blossoming. Now, there are only 21 million coins. Four million of them are lost. Uh, We're past the halving. Um, Run some numbers. If Bitcoin continues to be used uh, as a a means of transacting business, it simply has to explode. It has to. There's an if there. You said if. Right. Okay. If. Forget the if there. How about the following? We all know that cryptocurrencies in general are growing. As cryptocurrencies grow, fiat currencies devalue tremendously. In, in two years, a little over two years, I believe the, the U.S. dollar is going to be worth a fraction of its current price, that Bitcoin is going to have 50 times the number of users, and it's just going to happen. But this is just a matter of faith. Let's wait till two years and see what happens. Well, there was um, a story we just covered recently that Goldman Sachs is working to issue a Fed coin. You know, is it possible that the money brokers of the world step in and crush Bitcoin in order to develop their own one world digital currency? Well, how do they do that? They have to have our consent, do they not? Keep in mind, this is a permissionless world we're in. They can't just create something and say, you must use it. I choose not to. So will everyone else. Well, we, we certainly didn't do that with the dollar. I mean, they said, here, we're going to create this currency and we're taking it off the gold standard and we kept using it. Mm-hmm. We had no choice and we still have no choice because Bitcoin has not reached the point. Like I can buy houses with Bitcoin now. Go on uh, and, and, and check for the real estate paid by Bitcoin. It's flourishing. Cars, everything. Well, groceries and, and things at Walmart, you can't yet. In two years, you will be able to. We are restricted by the fact that we have just, where our plant just come out of the ground. It's a big tree, but right now it's a tiny little shoot with two leaves. But anybody who knows botany knows that in two years, that's going to be a very sturdy thing. Yeah, and this you know what, you know about botany because I think you imbibe in the... the yeah. <laughs> I do, in fact, yes. Yeah. But so, things, that's true. It was a quick run from you know 2000 to 20000 and now this year it's been down down and now lingering around 6500 what's it going to take cuz in order to get to a million in 2 years there's got to be some sort of event that's going to take place what do you think it is and when do you think it's going to happen well, it'll certainly happen within 12 months what the event will be i don't really know and i don't really care there is a pressure building have you ever seen a mushroom break through concrete it happens always mm-hmm. if there's a mushroom spore you put the concrete down you get any water there the mushroom will break the concrete what causes that i don't know but look it up if you don't believe it, it happens constantly now what what and when i don't know but if there's a spore there that gets wet it's, it's simply going to fucking happen and this is going to happen and it's going to happen soon well maybe make it a multiple choice then like a bullet point what what things do you think could 
be the instigator of that? Distributed exchanges. And why? Because that will give us the emotional confidence. We can't be shut down now. No government in the world can shut down a distributed exchange. And people go, well, okay, fine. They can't shut it down, but you still got to get, get your money out of fiat. Bullshit. I know people who are living just in cryptocurrency, buying what they need, selling what they have, mm-hmm. and, and they're functioning fine. We're forgetting this fact. If, in fact, crypto is going to displace fiat, then who gives a shit that we can't, we can't convert crypto into fiat? Hmm. I want to I I clarify a little bit on that. When you say distributed exchange, now we've heard centralized and decentralized exchange. So what exactly do you mean? Uh, maybe define distributed exchange for us. Well, it's firstly the same thing as decentralized. I'm calling it distributed because the exchange will be distributed across millions of devices, mostly smartphones. So the processing power of all of these smartphones will replace the centralized exchange servers. At that point, shut down half of them, it's not going to fucking matter. We can still use it. It is still functional. But whether it's based on atomic swap or some other new feature that's going to be developed, I do not know. But they are close. Binance has just announced a decentralized exchange coming out in the first quarter of next year. A number of companies have announced them. I'm working with LuxCorp. We're coming out with one. Um, it's coming. And when it comes, there is no office that you can go to. There's no person in charge. There's no one you can uh, um, serve with a subpoena. Mm-hmm. You can't shut well, the What about customer through. support? Because, you know, customer experience is one of those key important things, right? And a lot of times people, especially when they're new, they try a trade. It doesn't work out. They're like, oh, shit, I need to call somebody and there's nobody to call. Well, that's because you're dealing with a centralized server, a centralized service. With a decentralized distributed exchange, the only people involved are you and the other person. And if the exchange is functioning, then what what do you need? You know why you call customer service? Because your account's been blocked. Because they have not uh, received your your passport, that picture. On and on and on Mm. and on. There's no customer service that's needed in a decentralized, distributed exchange. Stuff never breaks? Well, let's hope not. If it does, we fix it. I'm not saying it's not going to be bumpy. Of course it's going to be bumpy. But when's the last time the internet broke? Right. Are you one of those people that, um, do you do you buy and sell a lot with your crypto? Or do you still, you know, what percentage would you say of your transactions are crypto versus fiat? Well, I don't have any transact because I don't own anything and I have no money and haven't for 30 years. Uh, the people here at Team McAfee, they do all this stuff. I live off the kindness of my friends and my employees, okay? They let me live in this house. They let me drive these cars. They let me have this boat. Um, so I don't do any of that stuff. I have, not, I have no money to do it with. I go to Jimmy when I want to buy a hamburger. Mm, nice. I want to ask, I want to, I want to step back when, when Joel had that great question about the Fed coin, and I wanted to get your, your thoughts on, on the IMF because the IMF is thinking about creating a crypto, and it's like they have that special drawing rights thing where they're going to tokenize all assets it was, is the theory behind it, or at least it's what I read. And they said that in the, or the theory is, is that in the future that all crypto traffic is going to have to go through certain uh, regulated 
pipes of some sort. That way they can see when transactions are going through something along these lines. It was, it sounded like, wow. So eventually that we are going to get to a one world crypto currency sort of world. Is that, is that going to happen or, well, you know, privacy they, coins protect they're, us. They're, from definitely that? Gonna, they're definitely going to regulate that, but but they regulate here in America. You're in America mm-hmm. uh, that I can't smoke weed in this state. Do you think it stops anybody from smoking weed? Please God, you can only regulate those things you can control. How in the hell with a privacy coin like Monero are they going to know anything? They don't know where I am. They don't even know that it is a transaction involving cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. Please God. How can they stop us? Maybe that's How whenever they goes on Coinbase, like like right. I know Zcash was thinking about going on Coinbase. Well, then they could track what comes in and out of Coinbase. So that kind of seems like a honey honeypot trap a little bit. Well, again, keep in mind, I'm talking about a world of distributed, decentralized mm-hmm. exchanges. With that, there's nothing to track. My My transactions between me and you, whether or not we might be talking on signal or something or whether we're sending money to each other cannot ever be determined. How are they going to stop it? How do they stop in, in prohibition people from drinking alcohol? They didn't because it was not possible. Governments are constantly creating legislation and regulations that simply can't be enforced. This is one of those. You're not really endorsing ICOs anymore. What do you think of, you know, what was done already with the big run of ICOs? Do they have a future? And why are you not recommending them? I'm not recommending because I live in America and the SEC has already subpoenaed me multiple times. Um, They're a bad bunch of people that I don't want to fight hand to hand right now, maybe next year. But eventually the SEC is going to have to give up because they will not have access they will not know like anybody else. Um, when that happens, I think ICOs are going to be coming back with a flourish. In the same, will there be a, a new permutation of them, or do you think? I think so. I think so. I think it will be something on a loan basis rather than um, a capital basis. Rather than, than buying something, you will loan the company money on some sort of terms. Hmm. That way, the SEC cannot possibly get involved. Hmm. Now, what about the security tokens? The ILP, the initial loan procurement, Mm. structured like an ICO, but totally outside of the SEC's purview. An ILP? Yes. Initial loan procurement. Mm -hmm. There have already been five of them that have been done. Really? Yes. Interesting. Now, with the security tokens, or at least like it seemed like what was was evolving, excuse me, is more of these, you know, like an ICO that has a token involved, but the token actually has some share and equity of the company attached to it, right? Maybe a hybrid sort of ICO token plus a stock share. You see that being maybe a viable option in the future? That's still perhaps in the SEC. That's going in the wrong direction. Because why should there even be a company with a coin? Where's the Bitcoin company? Point to it. Mm -hmm. Who do I go to to say, you screwed me over with Bitcoin. There's nobody. We need to continue in that direction where there are no companies. If there's a company, we're centralized again. No, we don't want companies. We want foundations that simply disappear after everything is distributed. It seems like now that Bitcoin is 
here to stay, we're seeing more and more of the large financial institutions getting their fingers into it. How do, I think time and again, we create decentralized applications like Skype, right? Just peer to peer that then gets bought up and now Microsoft owns it. And now it's centralized. How do we keep these cryptos from going down that road? Well, keep in mind, Microsoft could only buy Skype because it was a company to buy, right? True. Does he think Microsoft can buy Bitcoin? Mm-hmm. You might buy them all up, and I hope they try it because then Bitcoin's going to go to $10 million through price pressure, right? Through buying pressure. No, that you can only do it if there is a company to buy, if there is a company to, to control, if there is a company to influence. Many of the coins out there have no company. Bitcoin, Ethereum, there's no company. <laughs> Just a bunch of coins that we're all using. This is where we have to continue to stay and not get into the thought, oh, no, we need a company to control, to whatever. No, it's bullshit. Mm. If it goes to 10 million, Travis, he won't eat his dick 10 times. That's good. Uh, we hope he gets to keep his member because uh, I think it's a good thing. Um, I want I want to talk a little bit about some of the the challenges that um, some of the big tech companies have had recently. Well, not I don't necessarily know if it's one of their challenges, but my God, they sure are censoring people with opinions they don't like, and that's becoming a problem. I think it's a big problem when when half the voices are silenced because the other half is so emotionally freaked out they can't handle other people's you know different opinions you know facebook's blocking people twitter's blocking people reddit is is eliminating whole entire subreddits youtube's getting rid of any you know conservative person that sort of stands up and stands out google's creating this you know censorable search engine for china and all this other stuff that's going on like have you seen a distributed or decentralized solution for social media yet because we need one these are all aspects of a centralized power structure mm-hmm. in, a, a, exemplified by corporations. That's the ultimate centralized power structure with all of its corruption, control, uh, power, uh, everything. We are moving away from that, are we not? You can see this with just the currencies. Eventually, if the blockchain is applied pl- properly, Companies are not going to exist. Why do you need a fucking corporation to manage Bitcoin, Ethereum, Monero? We don't. We, the people, manage it through our own transactions. And, and open source allows anybody to go on and say, hey, I improved this. Does that mean he owns everything? No. Use it or don't use it. Choice. Mm. Choice is the thing that gives us power. And the permissionless aspect of crypto makes control impossible so you're looking at the world as it is absolutely it's fucked up which is why we are in the blockchain cryptocurrency world so we can hopefully extricate ourselves from that and bring amen, brother amen brother mcafee but, <laughs> so but these companies there are companies that are creating these tools, you know, there's like Steam it, right? And, the, and there's the Brave browser and there's Minds that are these decentralized social networks. How do we just, how do we, the people, just spring up an open source social network that nobody owns? 
Well, I mean, like I said, there, there have been a couple. They did not catch on. They were a little bit clunky. It's very simple. All you do is take your smartphone as one ten millionth of whatever it is you're doing or one one hundredth million of this social network. What do you do in social networks? You communicate with people. Those people communicate with other people. In, in Twitter, it's called retweeting. So if I'm just talking to you or talking to a group of my friends in a decentralized network where it's just us connected, we don't give a shit about what other people are doing because they're connected in probably tens of millions of other ways. And you want to get some, you know, some exposure. Well, well, damn, if you say something really smooth, it will, whoa, I like that. I'm going to pass it off to the other people I'm connected to. It will move just as fast. You will have just as much reach and far more power. Because who is it that's going to say, hey, I didn't like what you just said. The only thing they can do is block you or stop following you. There's no one can say, I'm shutting you off because you can't be shut down. Well, that, that's great in theory, but you need critical mass in order <laughs> for, something to, for, for that to actually work, right? Help me Please out here, John. Need, need, need users, yeah. Okay. All right. I'm a, I'm a technologist. So to me, the entire process seems easy, simple, and obvious. But for many people, obviously, that's all I've ever done is program. So now, um, let me see if I can put it into words that fucking matter. People have been working on a decentralized internet. You go, well, how the hell is that going to work? Well, it works because through some facilities, by, by the way, have you ever heard of a thing called YMAX? No. No. Okay, it's a chip that's, that's actually in some phones. It's Wi-Fi with a 35-mile range. Look it up. I'm not exaggerating. Now, YMAX. Called YMAX. Let's assume that we have that in every phone. So now, my internet, and let's say that's the only connection I have, is WiMAX. That doesn't go any further than 35 miles. Well, within 35 miles of me, probably are, you know, a million people. Well, no, not here. I'm on an island. But a lot of people. Those people are also connected at the radius of 35 miles to other people connected. It sounds complex, but it is the most trivial thing in the world. Problem is, we can't get access to that frequency. But if we had that, we could easily replace the internet with the same speed, the same functionality, and absolutely no fucking control because we are simply peer to peer. Peer to peer is the key. So why yeah, do we have this WiMAX? You say that we can't get the chip or what? Yeah, the government access the chip. It's already on the chip. It's already in the phone, right? It, it's under strict control by the U.S. government. I read that Sir Tim Berners Lee, the inventor of the World Wide Web is really conscious about this problem right now. And I think he's, he's one of the ones that's work, trying to work on that decentralized internet because he does not like how the big tech giants have basically taken over the internet from, the, from his original vision, although he did sort of gift it. He said, here, here's our open source. Take the power, right? I, I take issue with anybody who says they're inventor of the World Wide Web because the World Wide Web goes back 45 years and started with a thing called ARPANET and mm -hmm. simply evolved. Mm -hmm. So, no, there well, I guess I he's the guy who got hypertext, you know, being able to, to link to stuff, I guess, was what his deal was, right? He's well, right. you know, that actually came out in a, in a browser in 1987 called Netscape. That was the first uh, in 1987. Mm -hmm. So, no, uh, there is no inventor. You were just standing on the shoulders of giants. I mean, 
you know, who Come invented on, it's Al Gore. Just say it. You know, it was fucking Al Gore. <laughs> I and the Al Gore rhythms in the computer is stuff. You but, know. Keep in mind, I've been in this business for 51 years. Mm. There are no inventors of anything other than the specific application that you write in the story. You're so old, John. Yes, you, I admit it. You're just like a regular fossil. I'm actually married to this woman right here. Yep. Very nice. She's now, so helpful and friendly. We, we love her. Unfortunately, she's, she's got very nearsighted vision. Mm -hmm. uh, I told her when we met, I was Tom Cruise, and she still believes me. That's so nice. It's so good. So good to have a nice, strong woman beside you. So we have, a, we have a few questions. You want to hit some of the few questions that we wait, have? My, yeah, I do, but I want to. I want to hit this first because he mentioned the SEC. Um, you know, and you want to keep away from those boys. Uh, I don't know how much you can talk about this because it's current litigation. But apparently, you know, MGT is uh, is a little bit of hot water over what some are calling a pump and dump scheme. What do you want to say about that? And that's utter nonsense. And the SEC has now even called it that. The SEC has, has only subpoenaed the, uh, the current CEO. Uh, his name is Rob. Uh, uh, he, he used to work for me as the COO. So the question about MGT, there's been no charges against the company, nor me, nor anybody else, other than the president. And even then, the charges are minimal. So people love to take a story, especially when I'm involved, and say, aha, McAfee's a scammer. There was no pump and dump scheme at any point. I, by the way, never sold a single share of stock, hmm. not from the beginning till today. So anyway, the people make of things what they will. Yep. Appreciate the clarification. So we put, we put out some questions on the Twitters and in our Facebook group to uh, people who want, and we've actually covered some of them in the course of our own conversation. Uh, one of the, one of the people, OctoLeaks, at, Octo Leaks is very curious to to get your views on the Venezuelan crypto situation and how they're adopting uh, Bitcoin more so and the whole socialism thing, the Petro and all that. Yeah, you know, I, I believe that everything that Venezuela is doing is merely for international consumption to make Venezuela look like they are more than they are. Uh, I think it's chaos down there, and I do not think that a South American country controlled by an absolute dictator that just sort of whacks people at will for, for entertainment that should be of any consideration in what's happening in crypto. Well, I know that a lot of, a lot of citizens are actually using Bitcoin more so than ever. And I heard that read the, the transactions down there are growing on a daily basis. So there's a lot of, a lot of growth there. And Oh, that was another thing I wanted to cover with you. Going in India, even in China where it's illegal, it's growing. Keep mm -hmm. in mind, keep it the, the only, real manufacturer of Bitcoin mining machines is in China. Mm -hmm. So it's going everywhere. Why do we yeah. pick on Venezuela? Because, because it's Venezuela. It's interesting. There's shit happening down there that's created by the government, mostly as propaganda. Mm -hmm. But I don't think any more people are using Bitcoin in Venezuela on a growth basis than in India. It's, it's really interesting how you're talking about the use of crypto and the use of Bitcoin in it. And, um, um, our, our good friend, Philip Nunn, he sent out a tweet, I don't know, a couple months ago, and he was talking about how in 2014, there was about $15 million a day in crypto transactions, 3x up to about $40 million per day. Then the next year at 5x to about $200 million a year. And then in 2017, or per day, and then in 2017, last year it hit about $2 billion a day. 
earlier this year in January, it hit $50 billion a day in trades. And we're sitting at anywhere between, you know, 10 and $20 billion per day right now in crypto trading. So the amount of sheer volume is just, is just like this hockey stick. And if people can't see that the adoption is happening and people are trading this and using this, at a, it's just like, if we have a, just another five X, we're going to be looking at, you know, we're going to be looking at freaking a hundred billion dollars a day next year. And maybe the year after that, we could be looking at a half a, half a trillion dollars a day traded in crypto. That's just that not verify what I just said. Yeah. It's coming. It's yeah. booming. It's going to burst through the con- concrete and the world is going to be full of crypto. I mean, it, it, the, the statistics, no matter how you look at it, the world will be pointing to the same thing. It's like puppies and the world, I just had this vision, like almost being in Wonka land, you know, with chocolate everywhere, there's crypto everywhere. Uh, do you know Tom Lee with Fundstrat? I do not. So Tom, um, you know, he's the head of Fund, Fundstrat's head of research and Bloomberg reported just last week that he said Ethereum is about to see a trend reversal and rally strongly with a prediction of up to 1900 uh, per token by the end of this year. What do you think of that? I think that's entirely possible. It's, in fact, it's extremely likely. We're in the bear market of the worst kind. People are panicking. Oh, my God. We're de- it's, a, it's a market. Do you think when IBM first came out with the computers in the late 50s, and people bought IBM stock, and the stock immediately dropped by 99%. Do you think the long-term thinkers panicked? No. Why? They bought it because they saw what the future had to be. I'm looking at what the future of crypto has to be. So I don't care. If Bitcoin goes to 50 cents, I don't care. I'm not going to sell because it will eventually boom. It will. This is simply a fact. I mean, Ethereum is $230 right now. So we're talking yeah. in, in what, uh, 10 weeks that it could go up 700%. I'm not saying it will. I'm saying that if it did, it would not surprise me. Yeah. So it's another question here um, from, from uh, Kelly Fisher Law, Keller Fisher Law. Uh, he wants to know your five-year vision of, of crypto future. And like, where do you think we're going to be in five years? I mean, it seems to me that how many fiats, I mean, we're going to start replacing fiats within five years. I mean, what, what do we think? Well, well first of all, if it's with Kelly Law and a lawyer, I just don't speak to lawyers. So, <laughs> okay. Sorry, <laughs> Keller Fisher, you're screwed, brother. Yep. No answer yeah, to that question. Years, I think in five years, fiat will be on its last leg. And governments will be panicking on how to get revenue, and the world is going to change. What, what do you think about, uh, this is from Curtis, who writes on Facebook, what do you think about the Winklevi and their movement for regulation in the cryptoverse and, and expanding to that all ETFs as some sort of measurement for, okay, now it can grow? Yeah. And Bitcoin futures maybe too, like all of that stuff. Sort of stuff. I, I, if we have any regulations whatsoever, we're dead. I would like to reach out and smack the Winklevoss's hands. I really would. Mm-hmm. Uh, because this is the reverse direction that we have to go in. I'm sorry. We cannot possibly accept any regulations whatsoever from outside the community it can't be done and we can't win but, but you know it's inevitable at the same time oh, it? It. well yeah oh yeah okay yes regulation is coming but didn't i just say that so what they've regulated my use of marijuana so what they've regulated your use i bet you've probably smoked at least once in your life no not mr joel Com. he is a virgin 
No, okay. for about five okay. years without <laughs> stopping at a certain point in my life. Yeah. <laughs> so please, regulations mean nothing if they can't be enforced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we're I mean, going to name this name this episode now. Uh, you know, McAfee wants to smack the Winklevi. But the but the threat of punishment. <laughs> this is okay. right. You know, like someone reaches, okay. someone reaches for the cookie jar and you slap them with yeah, a that's good. I got you. But the threat of punishment is a very real thing. A lot of people don't do things because it's against the law. There's some other things that they're not worried about it, but of course, and and those people may do what they wish. But if uh, seriously, do you actually believe that if the government had no way of knowing what your income was ever, that you would you would report every penny? Please. Please get real with me and with you. Of course not. Of course not. This is the nature of humanity. If we know we can't get caught, we will do it if we want to do it. If I know the police are not going to burst in on me, I want to light up a joint, I will do so. So will you, and so will most of your listeners. And if they, if I've gotten into an alternate universe. I think Travis is rolling one right now. I was going to roll one. I was going to smoke one with him on the show, but I figured he's a little far away. <laughs> um, so we got we got somebody with an amazing name. His name is Bubba Shipes. He wants to know where he can get some of them sweet-ass McAfee for President 2020 buttons. You know, I don't think we have any buttons yet. We have some left over from 2016. Uh, there are a bunch of people who have McAfee 2020 T-shirts. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't point you to one right away. Uh, but if you will send me Bubba's email or Twitter handle, uh, when we get them, I will send one to Bubba. And I by the way, I hope to hell Bubba lives either in Louisiana or Alabama. If not, <laughs> I think, I think he lives in North Carolina. Hey, I awesome. don't know. I'm not sure. I'm just joking. You can get those 2016 buttons and just get a sharpie and just write over it. You know, 20, <laughs> yeah. 20, keep the budget low. Yeah, 2024 next year. The next one just keep scratching it. So what? Uh, some people want to know what you like now, apart from Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies in general. Which companies do you think are uh, that? Not necessarily that you have uh, you know skin in the game, but what do you really like and what are you hodling? Okay, uh, no skin in the game. Well, I don't have skin in anything. I think Team McAfee has skin in everything. Okay, um, I'm still my favorite is still Docademic because it is healthcare. And now that they've come out with cool emotions, which is a button to, let, let's, let's say I come home from work. My wife has run off with my neighbor, taken my dogs, emptied my bank account, uh, and set fire to my clothes in the backyard. Janice wouldn't do that. She, she's right there, right? She's not going to do that. Janice, be nice, honey. Don't be treating John like that. No. <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would never do that. I did key his car one time, but he just—he <laughs> probably had it coming. Yeah. No, I mean a serious key. I'm telling you, it's it's more comfortable than sitting up. Uh, I hope it. I hope this does not bother people. No, this so, is fine. It's, it's the relaxed McAfee. Yeah. So 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 you come home, everything's gone. I go oh, shit. I've got nothing left. Why? She took my dogs. Right. My, I, my life is nothing without my dogs. So we I'm, know how that pisses you off. I'm up on a bridge about to throw myself off, and I'm thinking, you know, let me just check this. And I press the button. A psychiatrist or a psychologist comes on and says, what's up, son? Uh, you know, my wife took that out. I said, well, tell you what. Why don't you step off the bridge for a minute and just talk to me? Now, tell me that is not something that, that changes the real world for people. And the medical part. 
you know, I fall down, I cut myself, I push the doctor button, the doctor comes on, says, let me see the cut. And he goes, fuck, <laughs> that's, that's, that's nothing. You don't even need stitches, put a Band-Aid on. Mm -hmm. um, do you understand the value of this to humanity, to human life, to, to our health? This is why I'm sticking. And they just oh. actually upgraded that to doc.com. So they got doc.com now and talk to the medical doctor immediately. That was one thing that was really cool. I was in, I was in California a couple of years ago and um, my buddy, actually I think it was uh, Robert Scoble. He goes, Hey, he goes, when you come to California, bring your passport. And once you're in California, you can use this app called ease. And then you can literally talk to a doctor through ease and then get your medical marijuana license. And then they'll send you a PDF and then they'll deliver you stuff. <laughs> it's like, literally, it was like a one-stop shop. Now they don't need it because it's all, it's all recreational there. But it's literally, it cost me $40. I got my license. I spent $10 to talk to the doctor. Boom. It was, it was amazing experience. And it took me like five minutes to do. Now, if you have just an illness or you want to chat with a doctor or you're having some uh, psychology issues, that's a, it's a pretty sweet idea. I like that. But rather than me telling your, your viewers what I like, let me tell you, viewers, what they should do. Why don't you look at life as it exists and look at the things you wish you could change? Maybe you want more privacy. Maybe you would like Amazon replaced because for whatever reason, uh, they don't let you into Amazon Prime or whatever. Um, and then, trust me, if you look around this field, there are over 4,000 coins or tokens now. Find something that attempts to solve that problem. How, how hard is that? See, people are not thinking for themselves. This is not rocket science. Just like when IBM came out with the first computers, it didn't take a scientist to go, fuck me, this is going to be huge. No, just a little bit of thought. Look around yourself. Go outside. Take in the air. Drive somewhere. And on the way, look at those things that you would like to change. Find the coin to change A lot of people have learned about you from the movie that is on Netflix, Gringo, The Dangerous Life of John McAfee. We didn't really talk about this last time you were on, but you know, the the move the film itself leaves people asking some serious questions, especially because a lot of it revolves around your neighbor. What you didn't want to give comments to the interviewer who was filming, but I know you've tweeted about the film. So what are your thoughts on it now? Well, I've never seen the film. So it's, it's hard. I've been told what's in it. Um, you've never seen the movie about you. No, listen, I've lived my life. Why do I want to watch someone else's view up? <laughs> I've been living it in my shoes. I don't need someone else to tell me about it. So no, my wife can verify. I don't think, have you ever seen it? My wife has never seen it. She lives with me. Is that even morbid me? curiosity, what everybody's being told about you? Morbid curiosity. Yeah. Do you think that plays any part in my life, sir? <laughs> so, no. I have, I have not seen it. But I watched about half of it. Pardon? I watched about half of it. I don't watch oh, a whole lot of television, though, so then I got, I got bored and, or I went to sleep. <laughs> and I just never watched the rest of it. Well, my life is, you know, mostly boring. <laughs> but no, I had nothing to do, absolutely nothing to do with the death of my neighbor. Uh, I did not rape that woman. Uh, this was done by Nanette Burstein. If you look at her past, she has done four false documentaries. And she's just continually doing it. Well, what happened? What happened to Greg Fall? What, where, what happened to him? 
I, I have no clue. I, I do Don't not know. I'm asking the investigative journalist questions. I just, I want to know. I was like, you know, there's the dogs and this guy and what happened? And well, you know what? You're probably better off not watching it. Just living your life. Well, no, I, I just, I don't have the time. It's a two, two hours out of my life for, to, to learn something about me. I don't think so. Good stuff. Any other final words of wisdom, Mr. John McAfee, for our wonderful Bad Crypto audience today? Stay the course. If you truly love crypto, stay the course. Do what you love. Do the right thing and get ready for a war. I don't want to go to war. I just want my money. I mean, I mean, an economic, social, cultural war of enormous proportions. Maybe more like a revolution. And, and the final thing, do not be afraid of anything in life. Life is the greatest of all mysteries, only if you're willing to accept everything that comes and roll with it. So thank you very much. I can't believe that it's already 200 episodes. I remember when we interviewed him for episode 100, we said, well, you know, we'll have you back for 200. Now it's 200. Does that mean we're going to have him back every 100 episodes? Probably, maybe until he until he says no, I or, mean, or until until he dies. I mean, <laughs> dude's already running on borrowed time, and I mean, between being poisoned and you know doing drugs and drinking a ton and you know having death threats, uh, it's mm-hmm. like who knows? I mean, we it's stick around, John. I mean, there's no ill will at all, but I mean, he's also not a young man. Right. He's in his he's in his seventies and he's partying like he's in his twenties. That guy that guy must have a heart like bull. Uh <laughs> he's seventy three. So, he's seventy three. Very nice. Well stick around, Mr. John McAfee. We'd love to have you on bad crypt number three hundred. And what's crazy is this is episode number 200 however we've done over 50 of the crypto spotlight ico spotlight episodes and some 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 you know little, little point five episodes along the way and little quickies and songs and stuff so we've done about 260 total episodes which is really crazy but only 200 official back crypto episodes and what a pleasure to have mr john mcafee on for this one that was awesome would love it if you guys would subscribe, follow, and review. We're looking for some funny reviews, especially if they're five-star. Go on iTunes, go on Facebook, or wherever you listen and are able to review. And get creative. Show us how bad you are. You think you're bad? You think you're bad? You ain't nothing. You ain't nothing. You're not bad. You're not bad. You're bad. You're listening to Bad Crypto, so you you definitely know how to stay bad. The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.